Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside D. Lou as we look back at a 21-point comeback victory for the K-State Wildcats, winning 71-69 to over the West Virginia Mountaineers on Wednesday. Uh, we'll look back at that uh, memorable game, uh, great comeback for K-State, and also look ahead to Saturday's contest, or contest 11 a.m. in Ames, Iowa, against the Iowa State Cyclones. Dilu, how are we doing this fine Thursday evening? Well, Icon, uh, I'm doing great. I'm I'm still riding high after that yeah, uh, big yeah. W for the Scorpion you, you, last night. You look like you're walking a bit taller today. You know what? I uh, I saw a lot of West Virginia Mountaineer fans around the water cooler today, and I was just needling them. You know, saying, "Hey, you thought you got us in Morgantown in football, but watch out because Bruce has his boys." Uh, you know, with a never quit, never say die mentality, mm-hmm. and they said, "Of course, I know, I know, but uh, we'll get you in Morgantown." And I said, "We'll see. That's we'll what, see, we'll that's see what, about that's what, that." Yeah, that's what you said to him. Yeah, I've been saying that a lot. That's been kind of a phrase I've been using. I'm trying to make it my catchphrase to say, "You know what? We'll see." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> got to test that out this did, morning. It, did it did it work out well for you? Yeah, yeah I think it did. Think that it did well. That's good. I'm glad. To, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So I was there last night. You were there. You were at the scene. You were in the building. I was at Ground Zero. That's right. And so when they were down twenty to three, what was going through your head? Because because well, I know what was going through my head. Well, let's hear what was going through your head first. It well, where I was at, I was sitting on the couch watching the game. I couldn't find the remote control. Oh, no. And so I just let the TV keep going. But if I I was able to find the remote control, that channel would have been switched to Impractical Jokers in a hurry. In a hurry? Yeah. Well, so you were giving up on them. Oh, I I would have. 20 to 3. Yeah. You know, at that point, they were down 20 to 3 with what? Uh, nine minutes left in the first half. Exactly right. Twenty so, to three with nine minutes uh, and uh, and four seconds left in the first half. So at that point, it's it's not a we, given that K State was going to score twenty points. Yeah, but I mean, Drew, they promptly went down and scored two free throws two seconds later to cut it to twenty to five. Oh well, I mean, that's what reeled me in. At that point, I was thinking, all right, this sucker's not over yet. Okay. But uh, no, I was I was really fed up at, at twenty to three and. You know, just it would have been different if this game, if this was a one-game aberration, but uh, it was like this team just cannot get the basketball in the basket, yeah. and that that makes basketball much harder, makes winning basketball games much harder. And so um, it, at that point, it was just like, eh, I, I've seen this song and dance before. We saw it against Texas Tech, and um, but. Uh, so that's where I that's where my head was at. That's the headspace I was in. What being there in the Fred, uh, what 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 was going through your head? Well, when we when you get down seventeen points that you know that early in the game, midway through the well, I shouldn't say really that early. I mean, you're you got a you've played a a fourth of the game. You're into the point. second quarter, yeah, so to speak, and so. Yeah, of course it was frustrating. I mean, see, I've got the stats pulled up here right now. K State was seven of twenty-four in the first half, uh, two of seven of twenty-four from the field, two of twelve from 
from behind the arc and five of ten at the free throw line. If you can, if you throw in the free throw uh, attempts and makes into the overall field goal percentage, they still shot only thirty five percent. Is that good? No, it's not. Uh. It's not what you want. <laughs> so, you know, it was just it was frustrating because after seeing uh, what K State did uh, last Saturday in Lubbock, where they got out to a slow start. Got it back to, I believe, a one-point game uh, late in the second half. And just didn't have enough gas to get it through there as, as they fell up short. Uh, but you you were thinking, okay, this is kind of a similar type thing here. We fall down like seven, eight points. I'm not too worried yet. It's still early. Um, but then, I mean, it was 23. And we played half the first half, and we have three points. Well, and then you have instances like, that loose ball yeah. uh, sequence that occurred. Yeah, where, I don't want to get back to that, but go ahead. Where it just looked like the want to, the effort just wasn't there. And it's like, well, the players don't even, <laughs> they, they've checked out. Yeah. And so as a fan, you're watching it and you're saying, what the, what the hell am I doing? What, why, am I, why am I doing this with my free time? Yeah. And the answer for me was I couldn't find the remote. Oh, well, <laughs> but, that's a nice little anecdote there. But I want to get back to that uh, that loose ball because that kind of served as, I thought, a little bit of a turning point. So what happened there was a, a couple of possessions before, <clears throat> excuse me, West Virginia inbound the ball about half court, five seconds left on the shot clock. So they have to get someone quick. And I don't want to single people out, but I'm, I'm going to. Uh, Cartier Jada completely leaves his man wide open in the corner. I mean, he's not even, he's more like in the middle of the court. Just uh, kind of spacing out? Well, he was, he was down by like the free throw line, but he was just in the middle of the, of the court if it was in terms of latitude, sure. so to speak. And he just leaves him completely wide open for three and he splashes it to, you know, give West Virginia another three points. And then on that, Loose ball, he instead of you know getting on the floor and dying for it, he tries bend, bending over the waist to pick it up, which uh, you're not going to get loose balls that way, which led to an and one for West Virginia. And he did not enter the game uh, for the remainder of the game after that point. And of course, Bruce said very bad. Yeah, the effort uh, right there is something you can't have, especially when. You know, it's it's so tough for this team to score. They're, I mean, they're in such a scoring rut. Uh, of course, in the first half, you can't have that kind of effort because uh, if, if you can't score, you sure as heck can't let the other team get those loose balls and uh, and get easy baskets when, when you yourself uh, are, are really struggling. So Yeah, when, when you can't score, well, when your field goal percentage is so low, then you really have to maximize your shots to keep up. And you have to maximize your possessions. Well, and you just can't give the other team free right. baskets. Exa- exactly. Really well, point. I mean, and it's at some point it becomes a numbers game. You know, if you're shooting 20% from the field or something, and the other team's shooting a, a normal percentage, then you need to have a lot more possessions and a lot more shots to keep up. And when you have guys like Jada just kind of loafing around or lollygagging or yeah. whatever other cliche you want to use, then it's it's it becomes, it snowballs and becomes a, really big problem and uh, magnifies the problems created uh, by not being able to 
capitalize on the offensive end. And so uh, I agree with you. That was that was a sequence that just seemed to be rock bottom for yeah. for the team. Yeah. So I want to get in here. Uh, now we've, we've talked about the first half. Anyone that watched the game last night, they they know what happened. And, and if, any, if you've seen K-State's, some of K-State's halves throughout the season to date, you've seen these kind of halves before. I mean, K-State... In uh, most games, really. Yeah, K-State scored 21 points in the first half, uh, down, down 36-21. That's actually two more points than they scored in Lubbock <laughs> uh, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So I want to we'll, we'll, we'll put a close to the first half here. We're going to look at the second half. So, when you're down 15 and a half, I, I know Bruce Weber was telling the boys, hey, first five minutes here, key. They're, they're, they're important. We need to come out here. We need to get this 15-point lead down. Um, that their 15-point deficit that, West, that we face here to West Virginia. We need to get that down by – we need to get that down – under 10 points by the first meeting timeout. That's the goal. You need to sh- trim off five points, four minutes. Seems doable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, you know, extremely simple, but it's, it's not impossible. Well, so K-State, um, they give up a 6-0 run. To start the okay, that's the, not what uh, you want. That's not what you want. So now they trail forty-two to twenty-one. Okay, with with eighteen forty-nine left, uh, West Virginia takes a doubles them up, and from that point on, I believe it was a let's see a twenty-seven uh, a fifty to twenty-seven run by K State to close out the game. That's uh. That's a pretty impressive uh, turn of events there. And so how did how did K-State do it? Simple. Well, Barry they Brown. Shot the, they shot the lights out. Yeah. Because you had guys like Barry Brown, uh, you know, getting to the basket, um, also getting uh, some looks from behind the arc, uh, also from Mike McGurl, who had, a, had his best game as a Wildcat, going four of six from behind the arc, pouring in 18 points. Uh, but also guys like uh, Kamal Stokes, uh, contributed with a couple threes. Couple, Started getting those jumpers going. Yeah, some jumpers in the mid-range game. And uh, then Xavier Sneed with one of my favorite moments so far this season with the four-point play. Yeah, that was – that. I at that point, I was dialed in. I was cheering the, in my living room. The, the TV remote, it, it, could, it could be thrown off the balcony. You, yeah. it, it didn't matter. You'd be watching. TV remote be damned. I was, I was really cheering. Arms waving, uh, shouting, sh- certainly some shouting. Um, but you know, I think once the outside shots started falling, once Cam started getting his jumpers going and McGurl hit some threes, I thought that really opened up the middle of that West Virginia defense mm-hmm. to let Barry come in and do what he does best, which is become an elite finisher. Yeah, he's an elite finisher. And we've always said this. We've, we've always said this here on this uh, on this podcast. But until teams have to really respect our outside shooting game, they can just pack it in mm-hmm. and challenge us to beat them with our jump shots. And that's something that K-State struggled with throughout the season. And once we can start 
holding teams accountable and force them to stretch out a little bit, uh, whether they're in a zone or, or just really respect the perimeter more. Once that happens, then I think that really opens up things for Barry in the middle to drive and do what he does best. So, as I mentioned, as bad as the first half was of shooting, second half was the inverse of that. It was the best K-State shot the ball all season, really, uh, considering the competition. 18 of 29 from the field, 7 of 11 from behind the arc, and uh, 7 of 9 from behind, or behind the free throw line. So, you got to really say, okay, this team was due for a good half. This team is not – no one before the season would say this team is going to be just a dynamite offensive team, well-rounded, shoot the ball well consistently night in, night out. I think it was definitely I, – I thought this team would be pretty darn good offensively because you had guys like Dean Wade and you, uh, that you know I think is one of the best players in the conference. Also expected Barry Brown – to, to take a step forward, especially shooting the ball. It hasn't quite happened as much yet. But guys expect- like Sneed, too, who, yeah, who Sneed. had a huge NCAA yeah. tournament. And you expect those guys to make some strides in the offseason to improve uh, their offensive weapons. And, you know, that really hasn't happened, of course, with Wade being, being out due to injury. However, you know that this team is not that bad. I mean, there, there's no team that's that bad shooting. There are, what, yeah, it's it's hard to imagine a Division One basketball team that is as bad at scoring as K-State has been in the first halves of some of these games. So you look at that and say, okay, they were due for a good half. But this was a very impressive, and not only did they have a good half, they completed a 21-point comeback, which you can have a good half and only you know win that half by... 10, 12 points. They won uh, the second half by 27 points. So, very impressive stuff by K-State. You have to admire uh, a couple of different things. You have to admire, um, more than anything, I think you have to admire the fight. You know, it would have been easy to give up at down 42-21 with about 18 minutes left in the game. It would be easy to pack it in and say, you know, this, is, this one's out of reach. But uh, they kept grinding, they kept fighting, and for that they should be committed. Well, and if if you were somebody who watched uh, the game on TV, and I pray that you were, then you saw the announcers make a big deal about something that occurred, I believe, right around that 18-minute mark when they were doubled up. And that was uh, during that first media timeout, uh, or possibly K-State yeah. called a timeout at some point. But early in the second half, Dean Wade... Gets in the huddle and gives a really, oh, really? inspiring looking speech. I, I did not see yeah. that. And that's something you that I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't catch at the game. Sure. But uh, they certainly caught it on cameras and the announcers certainly uh, made note of it. And you wonder if him saying, listen, fellas, let's. Hey, when I get back, I, I want these games to actually mean something. Yeah. Right? Huh? Say, so, say something to the effect of, listen, fellas. We play for Kansas State University. That's what he said. Man. Do you know how many great fans this university has? Do you know how many farmer how many how many people a farmer feeds? He tell them that it's I don't know we're roughly 120 or something. Yeah, and 120. I think maybe 158. I think on the oh, side. Oh, well, no, excuse no, no, yeah. me. My I drove by the other day. But I'm sure Dean knows. I'm sure he or one Mark Mangino. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that's, why they, that's why they call him the icon, folks. Um, 
but no, you wonder if if it was if that was the spark or or what. But something definitely switched there early on in the second half to get this team. Or you know what? Maybe it was just dumb luck, and our our shots just started regret. You know, getting to the mean anyway. But well, the other thing too, I thought that K State was, and I thought that I've thought this. Really, for a good portion here of the conference schedule, and even when K State was struggling towards the end of non-conference play, is they get good looks. It's just I can't tell you how many times in the first half they would have a wide open corner three, which is the most efficient. Well, in the NBA, it's the most efficient, but in college basketball, it's equidistant around the entire three-point line. But it's an easy shot, wide open. They couldn't buy one. Mm-mm. They couldn't buy one. Uh, those shots finally started to fall, and that was the difference for K-State. So I'm going to wrap this up with this West Virginia game up with one question. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a great comeback. It's a comeback that's the biggest in school history. But this isn't exactly a great West Virginia team. This is a West Virginia team that's, quite frankly, not very good at all. What do you take away from this this comeback victory, is this something that's going to get K State going and propel them to having a, a really you know nice stretch here in conference play as as they you know wait to get Dean Wade back, which sounds like it could be not only uh, probably not going to be this Saturday against Iowa State, but it sounds like it in the next ten days he should be back. Is this something that's going to propel K State forward onto bigger and better, or is this just kind of a blip on the radar? Well, you know, you'd really like to think that this is going to be the one that, that gets K-State going and gets K-State playing up to their potential and playing at the level that we really expected to see them play during the preseason. But as you look at this schedule, as you mentioned, Iowa State on Saturday is going to be a tall order, playing in Ames. But then next week you go down and you have to play a good Oklahoma team in Norman. Yeah. And then you face another solid team that took KU to the limit last night in Bramlage, TCU. And then you face Texas Tech at home. And so it's, you know, it's tempting to say that, oh yeah, this is going to get K-State back on the right track and start building momentum and, you know, really start making some noise in the conference. But the conference has so many tough matchups yeah, tough that, it, that it's hard to, that K-State may improve. I mean, K-State may start playing a lot better, but with some of those games, it's there's not really a, a game on there that besides, you know, maybe TCU or even Texas Tech at home. I mean, those are winnable games, certainly, but it's going to take a big effort. It's going to take a really good performance, and K-State's not going to be able to score three points in the first 11 minutes against those teams, or yeah. against most teams. No. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I've skirted around your question, and I'll say that I'll land on yes. It, it will propel K-State to hopefully get them in a better headspace where they can make, uh, you know, some, some better some offense. Yeah. But whether that translates to wins remains to be seen. Uh, to use my phrase, we'll see. Um, <laughs> That's a good job by you there. <laughs> but uh, just because it's... The Big 12 is a gauntlet, and it doesn't get any easier. Um, 
But I, I would expect K-State hopefully to get uh, to use last night as a chance to get the bugaboos out and play offense at a, at a Big 12 level. So I look here at the schedule, like you said, at Iowa State, at Oklahoma, the next two games, uh, both on the road. I would love to be able to come away with one win out of those two games and then get TCU uh, at home and get Tech at home. Because I really look at these, this four-game four stretches as pretty crucial for K-State. If they could find a way to win two or three of these games, I mean, of course, all four would be, would be great. But this is a tough stretch here um, with, with three or with all four teams ranked in the most recent top 25. Uh, definitely going to be a tough, tough stretch here. However, after uh, that Texas Tech game, the schedule does kind of loosen up a little bit. You get, you get the uh, SEC game with uh, Texas A&M. Not a good Texas A&M team this, this year, really. Uh, you go to Oklahoma State uh, via Ken Palm, the worst team in the conference. Uh, then you get KU at home, never easy, of course. Uh, then you go Baylor away, which is the second worst team in the conference. Uh, then you go back and play Texas, who's a team that, you know, I don't think that highly of. They lost just the other night on the road to Oklahoma State. So, I to answer my own question, I think that – I'm, I kind of want to use your answer here. Of, you know, we'll see. Uh, but hey, that's my line. That's your that's your line. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. But I think that it will propel K State, and I think they're going to win out of this stretch uh, of four games. I think they're going to go at least 500 between the Iowa State, Oklahoma, TCU, and Texas Tech game. So I'm going to say they they either get one out on the road or they hold serve at home. Well, gun to your head. And, Chris, I have something to tell you. Oh, no. I bought a gun. <laughs> Ow. Ow. So, don't worry. Okay, it's not loaded. Well, I didn't say that. Okay. But which games does K-State win Um. of the next four? Which which two do you think they win? I'm going to say they hold serve at home. Okay, so they're going to be Tech and TCU. Yeah. Those, those are the ones that you, that you think we have a chance of. I think that K-State matches up okay with Iowa State. The one thing I do worry about with Iowa State, though, is if they do get hot uh, and get us into a similar situation, not necessarily a 20-3 to hole, but a uh, 20-10 to hole even. Playing from behind uh, up there would would be difficult for K-State to do. But I don't think – I'm not terrified of Oklahoma. I'm not terrified of Iowa State at all by any stretch. I think that they're teams that K-State can beat – but K-State's going to have to play well, and a lot of it has to stem from getting off to a better start. You can't, you can't continually fall down double digits uh, to teams in the first half and uh, expect to outscore them by 27 in the second half in order to pull off a win. So I think that uh, those are the games that I would pick. Uh, TCU and Texas Tech are the ones that get wins, and that Texas Tech win would be quite the feather in the hat. Absolutely. Well, really, a lot of it. Any of these games would be nice W's when uh, you're thinking about March. But uh, to get there, K-State's going to have to start winning uh, some of these games because we are uh, off and running here in conference play. And one more note. Last night, during one of the... Uh, I think it was after the Sneed 3. Mm-hmm. They played uh, a little song. They did. Did you chant? 
Did he do the chant? No, I actually didn't do the chant. What's wrong with you? I was feeling that it might not be appropriate due to the people I was next to. They were squat. No, I'm just kidding. No, of course I did a chant. Are you nice. crazy? Are you All crazy, right, brother? Yeah, man. That's awesome. I it love was, the chant. It was it was great. It was so liberating. They, uh, you know, on TV and even reading on some message boards today and Twitter and stuff, people were saying that it was a mix of KSU and the chant. Yeah, yeah so I'll, what I'll say, too, is I didn't even hear really the chant because this is a family podcast, so we don't. Use vulgar language. Right. But when we're not podcasting. <laughs> oh, we we swear so much. We it's have, unbelievable. We have cussing parties. Yeah, we have swearing Almost parties. nightly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but no, really, I, they, pl- the music's loud enough there to where you can't really hear it. And it's one of those, Drew, you're a scholar. That's right. You're well read. Mm-hmm. Isn't there something about like, you know, if you hear something, you think you hear it, but you don't actually hear it due to what you've maybe heard before in the past. Like, it's kind of like a disconnect between what's actually going on and what you think you're hearing. Uh, yeah, I think that the, that phenomenon probably exists. Yeah. I haven't come across it in any of my studies. That's not yeah, really my field. Say, yeah, you're not an audiologist, are you? Uh, I was, no, I'm, I'm a different kind of doctor. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, also just pump up the music loud enough on... Through the PA system, you can't hear anything. Well, and I saw some suggestions. Uh, I think Casey Fan put forth this suggestion on Twitter today about how K-State needs to actually dub the uh, the song, dub Sandstorm with uh, KSU. Um, and Alabama does that. For uh, for Dixieland. Oh, really? Yep, That's they do. That's clever. And it's, it's very noticeable, but... It lets everyone have their fun. Yeah, and it gives it gives. I understand that it gives the uh, the athletic department and the university some, uh, you know, some it gives them a chance to yeah. say we're we're doing our best here. But I th- I have a different idea. I think dub it over with a chant. Yeah, I, <laughs> make I, it I louder. I agree. Let people know. I can hardly hear it watching TV. Yeah, so you don't even know what's even going on. Yeah, right? I want people from sea to shining sea to know what we're saying. And just let them know that this is what we think, this is what we believe, and this is what we're sticking with. And, I, and, I the, and the university agrees. And if the university doesn't agree, then they can go soak their fat heads, <laughs> for all I care. I like it. They I like That's a strong take there. Pound sand. Kick rocks. Kick rocks. That's right. And if, and if Gene Taylor's not down with that, then I think we should can him. <laughs> I like it, man. That's 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 good. We, I'm gonna. I wrote him a letter today. Did you really? Yeah, I said dub it over with the chant, Gene. Would you? He hasn't responded yet, but no, he will. I'm, he's very responsive. So, well, but anyway, great win for the Scorpion. Yeah, huge win for the Scorpion. I mean, when you look at it, this was kind of a game that we had um, had discussed as a must win for K State, and they they pulled through. I mean, of course, it wasn't looking good. Uh, if you follow. ESPN's game tracker, I think the win percentage was down to 1.3. If you look on Ken Palm, I think it was as low as like 4.8. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. Hey, but, ne- uh, never tell me the odds. Never tell, never tell you the odds, baby. And never tell Scor- the Scorpion. And uh, Barry Brown, Mike McGurl, all, uh, were, they were the stars of the show last night, of course, uh, as K-State was able to come back. So I want to just look ahead a little bit to Iowa State. It's a very talented team. Okay, So you've got two guys 
uh, that are, are really kind of their go-to guys uh, here via Kempom, meaning that they are, are used on, on the most amount of their possessions. And that's Mariel Shayok, a transfer from... Is that what go-to means? <laughs> Is that what a go-to guy? Well, that's what it, how it's how it's designated on here. Oh, they actually call it go-to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were explaining what go-to guys meant. No, I mean I know I might have to explain that to you, but our listeners are much. They're they're much the go-to more, guys. You know that means that they're used. That's their. They're used on approximately twenty-eight percent of their uh, of their team's possessions or more. But uh, Mariel Shayok, guy uh, transferred from the University of Virginia, good three-point shooter, good defender. Uh, Averaging over 20 a game. Yeah, he's been one of the best players in the conference so far. And a guy that, uh, of course, has some big-time experience. Uh, he played uh, and played a lot on some of those really good Virginia teams. Uh, Ken Palm has him rated as the third-best player uh, in terms of, of all Big 12 at this point and on, uh, on KenPalm.com for the Big 12. So he's a guy that... Um, is is someone to watch. Uh, Lindell Wigginton, too, a guy that uh, is his running mate kind of there in the backcourt, a guy that's as, as dynamic of a point guard as you're going to find in this conference, can really fill it up. Um, had missed some games earlier. He's only played five games so far this season uh, due to, uh, to setting out injuries and maybe some discipline. I, I'm not quite exactly sure what the, uh, the ruling on that was, but uh, a team that is – well coached, I, I think really highly of what Steve Prohm has done at Iowa State after taking over from the mayor, a guy that was a fan favorite, immensely popular up there, and uh, he's done really well. Uh, last year was a bit of a down year as they were rebuilding, but uh, a team that uh, is definitely moving in the right direction this year and is, is one of the better teams in the league. Um, you know, when you think of Iowa State, uh, you think of them as a, as a good offensive team. Uh, according to Ken Palm's adjusted efficiency ratings, he has them as uh, the 16th best offensive team in the country. But usually when you think of Iowa State kind of under the Hoiberg uh, regime, a, a pretty poor defensive team. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case this year. Uh, Iowa State's got a top 20, uh, top actually, no, excuse me, top 30 uh, defense, checking in at 26 in the country. So a really well-balanced team. Uh, they don't turn the ball over. Um, I remember that was always something that stood out to me with uh, with Monte Morris, a guy that had insane assist-to-turnover ratios uh, year in and year out, and they do a good job of, of keeping a hold of the ball. This is a really well-rounded team. And uh, for K-State uh, to have a chance to pull an upset uh, up at uh, the Hilton Coliseum, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to, have to turn in their best game of the season. Well, and you'll be at uh, you'll be on location there again, won't you? Yes, I will. Have you ever been to Hilton Coliseum before? You know, I have not. I've uh, wanted to go uh, check out a basketball game. I've been to uh, a fair amount of of, of uh, arenas in the Big Twelve. Been to everyone except for Texas and Baylor when it comes to football. Uh, for basketball, I've been to um, been to Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, a lot of my travels uh, to opposing arenas has been in the uh, old uh, Big 12 days, too. Went to the Devaney Center to watch K-State Nebraska in the last game that those teams have played on the hardwood. Who won that game? Kansas State did. Uh, scoreboard bug eaters. Yeah, that's right, baby. I've uh, been to uh, the Coors Men's Center, of course, in Boulder. 
but have also uh, made it to uh, to Oklahoma for a game, been to Stillwater for a game, uh, going to Lubbock next year. Wow. For uh, K-State on the road uh, at Texas That'll Tech. That'll be a great game, too. Uh, yeah, going to go check that one out with uh, with Demon Cat and uh, going to go check out that one down in Lubbock. So should be a lot of fun. But, yeah, I've always wanted to go to Iowa State. They, they of course, have a tremendous home court advantage. Uh, their fans are into it. Uh, students should be getting back, so it should be a full house. Uh, should be a good game. What, what's your what's your call for that one, D. Louis? Uh, K State's going to um, we're going to lose, and we're going to lose uh, sixty nine to sixty would be my guess. Cheating off my uh, my Ken Palm? No, I have got my eye on you, rubberneck. <laughs> but uh, I you know as I said, I kind of already gave away my prediction. Uh, I, I do think K State will will come up short in this game. I have a tough time seeing K-State holding uh, this Iowa State team to only uh, you know, 60, in the high 60s, low 70s. I'm going to see about 75, 76 for Iowa State. And I think K-State gets up there a little bit. They, they, uh, they continue their hot streak? They continue their hot streak. I think they get to about, uh, we'll go 75, 68. Wow. Uh, K-State comes up short, but... Uh, plays a little bit better. I will be interested, though, to see. Uh, Dean Wade did practice today. Uh, that's something I, I, I we can bring you. He practiced today. Exclusive. Uh, on uh, on this Thursday evening, he practiced. Uh, Bruce did not rule out the possibility of him uh, getting on the court against Iowa State, but uh, gave a time frame of the next 10 days as when uh, Dean Wade will return to action. So uh, that's definitely welcome news for Wildcat fans. Absolutely. We, uh, we've we been praying every night for Dean Wade's quick recovery, and it seems like our uh, prayers have been answered. That's right. So uh, is there anything else you'd like to add on uh, the Iowa State uh, mini preview and uh, looking back to the, the Wildcats' uh, huge comeback against West Virginia? I just want to say that I'm really happy for the Scorpion, and I uh, never doubted him for a moment. And that you couldn't find the remote. And that I couldn't find the remote control. Okay. So, you know, sometimes it, it pays – to not, you know, be able to find that stuff. Because you would have missed out on it. And you would have you would have felt like such an idiot, wouldn't you have? I would have felt like a real dunce. I would have felt like a joker. For uh You would have had a, you would have had to lie to everybody at the water cooler today too. Like, oh I I saw, you know, that we had a huge comeback. Oh, I actually didn't. I just got you know, I got told that by the newspaper that I read today. Yeah. So, you would uh, have had you would have felt like such a dork. Yeah. Wouldn't you have? Uh, Doug at the water cooler would have been like, hey, did you see West's big dunk last night? And I would have had to be like, uh, yeah, I sure did. Mm-hmm. S- some dunk. And, uh, but thankfully I didn't because I, I watched all 40 minutes, baby. Yeah, you were glued, baby. Yeah. Uh, that's what I like to hear. Well, that'll do it here for the first part of this week's edition of the Short Side Option. We'll be back after a short break. To highlight another in the long list of Wildcat legends and answer your questions in this week's Ask the Icon. Join us after the break. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where we are getting into this week's edition of this week's Wildcat Legend. An icon. This week's Wildcat Legend. 
<clears throat> Hales from Seattle, Washington. I know. I already know who it is. <laughs> Do you? I, 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 Drew, tell the people here. Not, not, not who it is, but tell them what we've, we've been discussing. Well, here. this week I... Uh, we decided to do a blind uh, edition of the Wildcat Legend, where I would I would keep the Wildcat Legend under lock and key all week as I gathered research uh, on our particular individual and uh, kept that secret from the icon. And uh, it appears that it took one clue for for the icon to uh, to find me out. So I'll give you uh, take your shot. Well, from Seattle, Washington, there's only one player that can come to mind. Uh, when I search back in my memory banks, and it would be number 11, Tim Ellis. That's exactly right. Tim great Ellis. Great. Yeah, I remember how great he was. On, I think it was NCAA March Madness 03. He was money from outside, baby. <laughs> what was his overall? I don't recall, but he was he was damn good. Wow. Well, he was an explosive athlete on the perimeter and a solid defender at the off guard uh, or small forward positions. He uh, he was actually ranked as the number nine shooting guard by Lindy's and the number ten two guard by Future Stars. Uh, he was known as a slasher, but he also possessed an excellent mid range shooting touch and a solid three point range. And uh, on top of all that. He was a solid rebounder as well. Um, little background on Tim. Uh, he went to Rainier Beach High School in Seattle, Washington. He was named to the USA Today All-USA High School Boys Basketball Team as an honorable mention his senior season and led Rainier Beach to a 26-4 and record in 2000. And, of course, that year Rainier Beach finished third place in the Washington 3A State Tournament. Uh, he Took his talents to the junior college circuit, uh, where he played two seasons at Southern Idaho, appearing in 63 games over those two years, uh, and made 33 starts. He was named to the SWAC All-Tournament team as a senior, and uh, a Region 18 Honorable Mention selection. In terms of stats, the guy just lit it up at Kansas State under uh, Mr. Coach Woldridge himself. Uh, in 2002-2003, he played in 30 games, started in 15 of those, had 283 points, uh, 15 points a game. Uh, the following season, in 2003-2004, lit up the scoreboard with 18.5 points per 40 minutes. Um, and that's, that's just... Pretty impressive stuff there from Tim Ellis. Yeah, Tim Ellis uh, was a great Wildcat player. Um, only uh, when you look at his career, it was a shame that a player of his caliber uh, couldn't get to the NCAA tournament uh, under under Jim Wooldridge. But uh, no no doubt uh, a talented player in, in his own right and a very well-rounded player at that. Yeah, and, and he also had a... You know, he, he dished the ball out well. I, I think that we all recall the uh, Ellis Pasco connection. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Those absolutely. two guys were just peanut butter and jelly down there on the, uh, on the low block. And uh, a lot of that was because of uh, Tim Ellis. I mean, 
shot 38% from three in 2002-2003, which is a pretty decent level. Yeah, that's why he was such a dead-eye in NCAA basketball. Yeah, back you weren't kidding. And uh, so, gosh, you just got to really hand it to, uh, to number 11. You know, Tim Ellis was part of some of those really pretty talented uh, recruiting classes that Jim Wooldridge was able to bring in. Uh, I remember right around that time, uh, there were players, uh, maybe the most notable of the uh, recruits that uh, Jim Wooldridge was able to get was Cartier Martin, of course. And uh, when you look at that recruiting class, I think Des Willingham, does that, does that name ring a bell? You bet it does. I remember he was... Nick comp- Williams? Yeah, I remember... Uh, I remember... Um, we're going to be Des- running out of Wildcat Legends here. Yeah, I remember Des Willingham um, was compared to T.J. Ford. Oh, I see the I absolutely see the comparison. Tex- he was from Texas. Uh, was a highly much ballyhooed point guard coming out of the state of Texas. Um, didn't have much success at Kansas State. I believe he ended up transferring maybe to SMU um, once he uh, once he decided to transfer from K State. So. That one didn't work out, but uh, Jim Wildridge really did a great job uh, going after some of the top guys uh, in the country, and uh, I believe Hoopscoop.com, I remember reading this, ranked us as the number one recruiting class uh, one of those years uh, under Jim Wildridge. So Tim Ellis was... What a- year? Oh, let me let me see. You know what? You, uh, you want to get into uh, our next se- segment? Uh where we go ask the icon? Yeah. Okay, well, and yeah. I'll, and I'll, I'll do some looking okay. while you bring me in here. Okay. Uh, we are going to move right along. And, oh, let, let's wrap up. Yeah, uh, let's, sure. let's, let's wrap up Wildcat Legend. Tim Ellis, wherever you are out there, we remember. Because you, sir, are this week's Wildcat Legend. All right, now we are going to move into our final segment this week, a segment we call Ask the Icon, where listeners can submit their questions to the short side options. Very own Chris the Icon Sork, and he will do his best to answer them. Uh, those questions can be submitted via Twitter by uh, tweeting uh, the short side option at TSSO underscore podcast, or of course using the hashtag Ask the Icon. Um, and this week, we have uh, just a couple questions in the mailbox. So a little bit of a slow week, but you know what? That's good. That's good for us. It's good. It's a good job. Short and sweet, baby. Um, Icon. Yes. How's that research coming over there? I've got my answer for you. It was the two. Okay, back up. What? Let me ask this question. Okay. Uh, I have a question for you, Icon. Okay. In what year was Jim Wooldridge's class ranked number one by Hoopscoop Online? Well, Drew, that'd be the 2003 recruiting class. Can you take us? Can you? Do they have those that class there? They do. All right. They have Justin Williams, one of the top-rated junior college centers. God, he was a <laughs> he was a bruiser. Des Willingham, a five-seven point guard from Desoto High School in Desoto. T- in DeSoto, Texas. A power forward from Oxnard Junior College in Oxnard, California. A guy that we may be getting to as a as an additional Wildcat legend, Jeremiah Massey. Oh man. Yeah. 
from Aldine, Texas. Cardi and Martin. A, a former Wildcat legend on this very show. A 6'9 power forward from Cloud County Community College. Dramon Diara. Lance Harris. Was also in this recruiting class. A former, another former Wildcat legend. And then rounding out, a local boy from Olathe North, Tyler Hughes. Wow. That's a real... <laughs> who's who? That's a seven. That's a uh, that's a seven man recruiting class there. That's a big recruiting class, but you know what? There were some absolute gems in there. Yeah, I mean, all those guys saw significant time. Yeah, I mean, Des Willingham was one of the most high highly rated of the uh, of the players, but um, he probably saw the least amount of yeah on court minutes mm-hmm. of those guys. But everyone else in that class is absolutely contributors. Yeah. Um, Man, Justin Williams. Haven't thought of that. Yeah, no. I... Yeah, he was he was a bull down there. Yeah, so All right. Great recruiting class there for Wooly. Great recruiting class. Great question by me. It was. That was a good job by you there, dude. All right. All right. Well, our first question comes via text from our friend up north. Of course, Big Dog in Madison. BDIM asks the icon as follows. In light of your travels to Ames this weekend, how did Big Dog know you were going to Ames? Hmm. Uh, in light of your travels to Ames this weekend and the potential for interaction with Iowa State fans, rank your choice of fan base in the Big 12 from top, tolerable, to bottom, despicable. So is she asking for 1 through 10? I think, well, I, uh, opposing, uh, yeah, ostensibly opposing fan bases, so it would be 1 through 9. 1 through 9, okay, well, sure, sure. Okay, well, that's uh, we can we can get into that a little bit here. I'd say my number one is a uh, is a fan base that I've actually had the pleasure of uh, mixing it up with a couple times, um, and that's the West Virginia Mountaineers. Check wow. in as the number one as the number one school on my on my list here. Uh, number two, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Oklahoma. Now I know that you and maybe your your dad may have a little bit of a of a different uh, different take on the Sooners. Yeah, my dad said they were so damn arrogant at Arby's after two thousand after the two thousand game. Well, you know, arrogant or not, they uh, you know I'm all right with them. All right, so, so that's so one and two. You got West Virginia, Western Virginia, and Oklahoma. Western Western Virginia, Oklahoma. I'm gonna go. Next with Texas Tech, go Raiders. Actually, no, no, no. I'm not going to go Texas Tech. All right. I, mean, I have a story about why Texas Tech's not there. Number three, uh, we will go with Oklahoma State. Okay, folks. Been been to Silly, enjoyed it. Uh, you know, liked it there. Um, then we'll go Texas. And how can you not love the Barnstormers? You know, Absolutely. you remember those guys? Absolutely. Uh, and then we're going to go. Uh, we'll go. We'll go Baylor. They seem nice. You know. I do. Uh, nice Baptist folks. I get on their message board sometimes, and those guys are still just bananas about conspiracy theories with Art Bryles. It's, oh, I'm it's, sure. It's great stuff. So we'll go Baylor, TCU. Then we'll go Texas. I think the T-SIP's not big fans of them. 
And then, wait, you uh, you already said Texas. Oh, I did. I did say Texas. Yeah, they're number four. Oh, they're number four. <laughs> My mistake. Yeah. Got a wait a second. You have Tech, the Squawks, and uh, and Iowa State. So I'm gonna go Iowa State next because I'm just a little heated, of course, with an upcoming contest yeah. on, on Saturday. They they rank a little below. So I'm gonna go Texas Tech at number eight, and then. The boys from the flaw in the car. Snob Hill. Snob Hill. Round it out, number nine. I actually... Well, All right, hold on. Let's let's round this up real quick. So we have... The Icons fan bases are ranked as follows. Number one, West Virginia. The Hoopies. Number two, the Sooners. Number three, Oklahoma State. Number four, the Horns. Number five, Baylor. Number six, the Toads. Number seven, the Cyclowns. Uh, number eight, the Raiders, and number nine, the people from Snob Hill. That's right. All right, so continue. Well, there was a time we I went out to, uh, it was 2015, went to Lubbock for a K-State uh, football game. And went there, K-State lost in a, in a game that uh, Joe Huebner did his darndest to well us to victory. But uh, current... Arizona Cardinal head coach Cliff Kingsbury and the boys just marched up and down the field on us really all night. So it was a tough loss there. But afterwards, there were just these uh, these women, these Texas Tech fans, and they came up to me of all people, and they were just giving me the business. They like were they, being they, mean to you. Yeah, they were being mean. They, like so, I was with a group of probably about five or six other guys. And the other guys, they were fine too. They didn't really say anything to. But I was the I was the target here. What were they? What kind of what kinds of things were they saying? They were saying really mean things. They were just saying like, "Ha, K State sucks." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." What can you say? I, I mean, I can't really. You gotta wear that loss. I, I man. have to. I just have to kind of take it. So I was getting verbally harassed. <laughs> and it wasn't just one or two. It was like. Probably four or five of them. And then I remember that... Just uh, roving packs of mean women in Lubbock. Yeah, they were just... Just picking on you. They were. It was very unfair. <laughs> so, but, but I mean, you can't... I mean, you can't put them behind KU. I mean, I don't even need to go into that, I don't feel like. No, I mean... I, I've seen a bunch of KU women be mean to you, too. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is it with all these women being mean to me? I don't know. Very sad. Very bad. But uh, great questions from our uh, friend up north, BDIM. Good job by you. Uh, and then our next and final question comes from listener Joey Kinney at jkinney1987. Okay. He asks, what would you do if you were Kyler Murray? Baseball or football? Well, hmm, that's a good question. What I would do is I'd play baseball because I like baseball more. You like playing baseball more? Yeah, I like playing baseball more. You're a baseball man. That's right, I am. But in terms of overall... Professionally, what do you think is the best bet? Well, if he thinks he can get to the show, and if he thinks he can play for eight, nine years professionally in baseball, I think baseball is a better better choice. It's less harm on your body. Uh, of course, the contracts can be you know pretty darn lucrative. But... Also, if you get to if you get to the major leagues, and you have some success there, then again, his his signing contract would I would imagine be astronomical too. 
I mean, if he's getting drafted, did he get drafted number one? No, he got drafted uh, in the top ten, I think eight or nine. So he's still getting a good chunk oh, yeah. of change there. Yeah, uh, when he signed his signing or when he signed his deal, uh, Oklahoma had to go back and um, re up Lincoln Riley's contract because he wasn't even the highest paid guy on his own team. <laughs> that, that's not true. No, it is. Really? Yeah. That's I insane. I mean, you can't have the quarterback making more than the head coach. What, what do you think this is, you know? I guess. So, no, but I, I would choose I would choose baseball, but I'll make the point for football. His contract that he's going to sign, let's say he's a first-round pick, which I would think would be about where he'd get drafted. I don't think he'd draft, be drafted in the second. I don't think he'd be drafted any later than the end of the second round. Just okay. my opinion. Okay. But for the money you can make playing quarterback in the NFL, that money is more of a surefire thing, in my opinion, than having a you know fifteen year baseball career. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, it's more money. It's more money now. Sure, you have higher risk of injury uh, in terms of like a ba- a real bad injury in, in football, but. Uh, for my for my opinion, I would take playing baseball. All right, I'd put up the shoulder pads uh, for the for the pine tar and rosin of uh, of baseball and skull and skull. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice dip. Yeah, you so, throw out a big old a, a lot of tobacco in your yeah. Mouth. That's right. Sunflower seeds too, if you're you know a non tobacco user, but uh, no. <laughs> it's mandated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's if you don't have a nicotine addiction. <laughs> Get ready, because you're gonna, if you want to be a baseball man. That's right. That's right. So that'll do it here for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. Thank you to uh, BDIM and Joey for coming through with some questions. Uh, We expect a better turnout. Bad job by you listeners. It's a bad job. But thanks for listening. (laughs) Calm down. It's all right, big dog. Uh, But... We'll uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Hopefully, to uh, hopefully we're both wrong and K State uh, comes out with a with a victory in Ames. What do you say, huh? I'd I'd be in favor of that, brother. Anything you'd like to leave us with here before we uh, before we close up shop today? I just want to shout out to all the losers and haters who were doubting Bruce, of which who they're were doubting many. the Scorpion, um, and say sorry and uh, don't don't lose faith in the Scorpion because when you do, that's when he stings you. That's right. And we'll see if that happens this week. And, uh, well, you can ask Bob if he got stung last night. Oh, Bob's feeling it. Bob's, Bob's swollen. That's right. He looked kind of swollen last night. <laughs> He's not looking so good. Yeah, it was probably the lighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure that was it. All right, well, that'll do it here for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week uh, to break down some further K-State basketball. And uh, maybe we'll have some news on the, uh, the football front uh, as Chris Kleiman Uh, finishes out his staff here. Uh, We'd expect that soon. So that'll do it for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. Thank you for listening, and go Cats. (laughs) 